Welcome on to a Sunday night edition of the Dunk Time Basketball Podcast. Got to get to the Miami Heat offseason preview. And then we got all sorts of other talk. Got some more actually to discuss in the Boston Celtics because I realized that despite going for like 45 minutes the other day, we left out one scenario that I really had intended to get to and we just didn't. The renegotiation and extension possibility for Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas, which Thomas actually commented on at exit interviews last week. And then the New Orleans Pelicans, how can they add, they can't, to uh, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins and possibly Drew Holiday. We're sponsored today by Betterment. Betterment.com slash Capspace is a URL to get up to six months of no fees of lower cost automated investing. Okay, let's start with the Miami Heat, Danny. And really, they're in an interesting situation, similar to a lot of those teams that last year had guys who had small cap holds coming off rookie contracts that then we're going to get new contracts but instead of it being for that reason it's because they're kind of in a use it or lose it situation with cap space due to the tyler johnson offer that the nets made last year and that the heat were uh inclined to match and did Johnson was subject to the arenas provision and under the rules of the of the old CBA, the outgoing CBA, if you matched a deal like that, you had to follow the actual salary structure. So he's getting the non-taxpayer middle-level exception about $6 million for 2017-18 and then jumping all the way to $19.2 million for 2018-19. So that jump of 14 basically offsets some salary that's going to come off the books. More than offsets. Yeah. So we're going to make the assumption, we talked about this in the news section a bit ago, that Chris Bosch will come off their books. It's been reported that that is going to happen via a long-term injury exclusion, but they have come to an arrangement by which there's no chance he could return to the Heat's books as it could happen under the old CBA. So Bosch will be off the books. As of now, my best projection for them is $30.9 million in cap space. The variables there Wayne Ellington has a non-guarantee of $6.3 million. That guarantees the first day after the 2017 moratorium. So they'll have some time to decide whether they want to keep him around and whether they can do better with that space. I'm going to guess that they probably cannot. And Ellington, I think, is a value contract. One more year at $6.3 million. He shot the lights out from three-point range last year. So that's one variable. If they wanted to move on from him, they could get up to $36 million in space. Josh McRoberts, as we previously had mentioned in the news items, has understandably opted into the last year of that star-crossed four-year full mid-level exception contract he signed in the summer of 2014 which was when they still were trying to get LeBron to come back they signed him and Danny Granger and uh, I guess LeBron made the right decision not to return because <laughs> uh, neither of those two contracts worked out McRoberts an effective player when healthy but has not been healthy in some time so that's why he opted into that six million but if they were to trade that which would be difficult because they don't have a ton of sweeteners to throw in there or if they were to stretch him, then you could get up to 40 or even as much as 42 million in space that way. And then finally, another scenario that's been talked about, although I, again, I think it's very unlikely is if they traded away Goran Dragic and his 17 million, he's still due two more years after that at 18 million and then a player option for 19 million the two years afterwards. If they traded him away, they could get to 57 million in space. So probably not quite enough to get two max guys and Dragic, I think when you can 
consider how much someone like Holiday is is going to get. I think Dragic is a better player than Holiday still, although he's older. Um, but has has aged pretty well so far. Uh, a value contract, really. I think uh, with three years left on, on that deal, essentially, uh, making about eighteen million per. And with Dragic, I think you can let you can let supply drive it. You know, if you get somebody who's interested and and is is a really good contract or just a, a really good player, then you can think about moving him. But they're also going to need a point guard if they trade him. So it's going to be complicated. I don't really see that as a likely outcome this year. But the other part that makes Miami summer so fascinating is that they have this group of talented free agents who all, maybe with one exception, outperform their contracts, but they only have non-bird on all these guys, which means that they have limited means outside of cap space to re-sign them. Yeah, their cap holds for those guys, and we're talking about James Johnson, Dion Waiters, and Willie Reed. Uh, and the Luke latter of, uh Well, Luke Babbitt, though, they have full bird rights on. So I put oh, him actually right. in, a, in a different category. That's right. I they forgot actually, about that. Yeah, they actually acquired him via trade. And actually, you'd have to imagine then that they would keep him uh, on their books because his cap hold is the minimum, and they have full bird rights on him. So he actually gives them a little extra spending power there. And and frankly, they have like no power forwards on the roster at all. So any so he started for them and shot the ball well got into better shape as everyone who goes to Miami seems to at 28 I think he can be you know at least a decent player for the next couple of years we'll see what his market looks like but yeah the, the issue with Johnson and Waiters and Reed is that they essentially have to use their cap space already to bring them back because uh, uh, they're only on the team for one year their cap holds are 120 percent of what they made last year so in the case of Waiters that's uh, the room exception about three million so his cap holds 3.5 and Reed Reed, his cap hold is the minimum. James Johnson, 4.8 million cap hold. So, but that's how much they count on their books. So you can't pay them really more than their cap hold is. It doesn't make any sense to keep their cap hold even on the books. So now they're essentially re-signing them. You have no advantage versus if you're just signing outside free agents. Now that doesn't mean they shouldn't bring those guys back. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to try for uh, Gordon Hayward. They're going to try for Blake Griffin, the latter of which I think maybe they have a little better a chance at. And Griffin, I think actually would be a great fit with what they need need um of course there's the health issue with him at age 28 which we've talked about plenty of times in all these other previews but they don't really have a hometown advantage i mean let's talk about waiters first he is a rare free agent who's actually really young and is a decent player 25 he had his qualifying offer rescinded by the oklahoma city thunder last year i think that waiters actually is a player that teams that really are trying to and you wouldn't think this with you know what his reputation is and and he's not going to shoot as well as he did last year but he is a player that I think teams who are really trying to compete with Golden State or Cleveland actually could use because he's really strong and capable of switching pretty well. So he his ability to guard multiple positions. I mean, I don't think he's that, and he can get to the basket at least. I mean, he's not a good finisher, but he's improved his passing, and you know he's not going to shoot as well in long twos. But I think he's a quality player. I don't know that I would look at him as all right. We have solved our shooting guard problems if you sign him, but I think he certainly would be worthy of a contract. You know, ten million a year in like you know three or four years something like that maybe not quite starter money but someone you could expect to come in and play 25 30 minutes a game for you um and, and he's also an excellent spot up shooter so i think it he can be useful for you in a smaller role but there's not that many teams that have the cap space to sign someone like him so uh you know you'd expect maybe he'll go to a worse team and and i think he'll probably want to try and stay in miami it's just a question of are they going to make a, a competitive offer for him or not and i think they probably should frankly once they strike out of the max guys which we expect to have happen um i mean they could try to make a trade to get 
guys to come into their cap space, but they don't have a ton of assets going forward. I mean, what do you think about Waiters and, and what kind of contract he might garner on the market? Am I being even too low on him? I think he might be because he's yeah. a, a gettable shooting guard who's also young, so you don't have to worry as much. I think a team's going to give him too many years. I think that's going to be what happens is that he well, gets maybe... Well, but he's maybe... 25, though. I mean... It, no, but what I'm saying it's... is, like, is that we don't know... Like, there isn't that kind of security in terms of what he has been. You know, like, he was wonderful yeah. this past year. I think he was good in the playoffs. So I th- I agree with you that kind of something in the 10 to $13 million range for three years would be good. I think he's going to get, like, 14 for four years. That's my instinct on kind of where it goes. Because remember, other than, like, J.J. Redick, in terms of two guards that are on this market, there are, there are not that many that are unrestricted. There are guys the teams are going to like, but you're not going to get Contavious Caldwell-Pope, so it doesn't really matter. So I think that it doesn't take much. But you are right, though, that as the supply shrinks, it'll be whether it's like what happened last year. It'll be whether a team gets on him early or he he ends up just not being any franchise's first priority. But the other thing I want to mention about Miami particularly is... Well, let me finish up on Waiters if if you're going to change the subject. It was going to... No, it ties in in with him. Okay, well, well, so go ahead then. Yeah, sorry. So so basically, the other thing that Miami has to figure out is... So they have Dragic, who they like. They have Josh Richardson, who has one more year on a cheap deal that he's going to be restricted. And then they have Tyler Johnson. So if they think Waiters is probably the best of the non-Dragic's, then they should definitely try to re-sign him at a reasonable rate. If they think he's maybe either third now or potentially third, then maybe you get comfortable with what you already have. Yeah, and they also could re-sign him and then maybe try to move uh, either Tyler Johnson, good luck, uh, or maybe Josh Richardson, who will be a restricted free agent after this year, making the minimum and see if they can get someone back as a forward and maybe take that guy into their cap space um or or maybe if you you put in josh mcroberts into that trade as well um see if you can come up with someone who can start for you i mean i think there are definitely teams that can use waiters because we've talked about this actually that like there are a lot of teams that are really missing some kind of juice off the bounce we mentioned waiters is not a great finisher but he and dragic i think the heat i want to say led the league in drives this year and uh waiters was a big part of that and obviously that groin injury that he suffered down the end of the year was probably the reason why they missed the playoffs frankly i'm trying to think like who the other suitors would be i mean i think indiana maybe would be in the market for him i don't think the knicks would i don't think orlando necessarily would sacramento already has buddy healed brooklyn would be a team that probably could use him um they don't really have any any good two guards right now so the fact that i mean he he is a versatile player in the sense that he can get to the basket he can pass a little bit solid spot up shooter and now if you're going to rely on him for huge volume and to make as many long twos and threes off the dribble as he made last year you're probably gonna be disappointed but then the fact that he can switch as well and even play the three at times defensively with that big barrel chest and his length and he also also you know got into great shape in miami we'll see whether that continues so yeah well so if you were miami would you offer him four years and uh at 14 million a year 414 is a little rich for me i think i'd probably try to get him around 411 and then it is kind of piddly at the kind of the end of that because he's older but i really do like josh richardson and i think that that could help but no if it was 14 flat i think i would do it you know just because then you're not maybe you're doing that and i'm also he would be an interesting guy to do a descending contract with if they're not going to max squeeze every drop out of their cap space just because then it gets more palatable not only for them but for a potential trade yeah and maybe maybe what they're thinking would be is all right we've got Hassan Whiteside under contract for three more years making between 23 and 27 million ascending over the next couple of years he's got a player option for 2019-20 Tyler Johnson same thing player option for 2019-20 that I would imagine he would probably take 
Goran Dragic, same thing, $19 million player option in 2019-20. So maybe what they would think is, this is going to kind of be our team. Why don't we just pay what it takes to bring back waiters? Maybe James Johnson too, although probably not, you know, he's 30. So that's maybe a little bit different. But maybe we could say, all right, if we could just get Dion, we'll overpay him a little bit and give him like a two plus one and see if that's something that he would be interested in. And then this will just kind of be our team for the next two or three years. And then when Dragic, Whiteside, all those guys come off the books, Pat Riley probably will be ready to retire by that point. Then we'll just hit the reset button that year. Because I think actually like this team, if they bring everyone back and everyone stays healthy, you know, they could be like, they're probably not in the same tier as like Washington, but I mean, they went 30 and 11 over their past, their last 41 games. I mean, like you, in some ways you'd think, hey, these guys deserve a chance to come back and run back. And then, you know, Tyler Johnson and Justice Winslow will be back this year and Richardson could get better. Maybe Dragic takes a little bit of a step back, but hopefully you could just continue to get better. Waiter's only 25. He could get better as well. Uh, So maybe that's the thought is just let's do what other options we have other than just kind of keeping this team together for the next couple of years. And then, you know, contracts aren't that long these days. We'll, we can kind of reset in 2019, 20. We'll have our pick then as well. Uh, Because that's the other thing too, to remember is they don't have their pick this year. It's only top seven protected going to Phoenix from the Dragic trade. But then they have in 2019 and 2020, they have their pick and then they owe 2021 unprotected uh, again to Phoenix from that Dragic trade. So I, I think that would probably be my plan here unless you get one of the max guys because I don't think like their free agents are some of the best guys on the market. Like if you can re-sign them because they're comfortable there, give them a, a, a big offer right away um, and just kind of run this team back. I don't really know what other option you have and then you, they would just have to fill in, maybe get one more forward, a, a backup center read. They don't have bird rights on either, but he's kind of less important. He's 27. Uh, uh, to this team and i think they can afford to bring back johnson and waiters if they wanted to and definitely waiters and then maybe you just uh you could just bring back uh, bring in someone else for johnson and said but i think he's really important what they're trying to do even if he's 30 so i don't know what do you think of that plan well one small clarification at first it relates to the term this year the mad the the heat have their 2017 first round pick it's 14th overall they do not have their 2018 first round pick that's the one that's yeah okay one i'm sorry thank second. you yeah i that's... just wanted to make it i just want to make it clear because some people might go wait what but i agree with your vision i think that that's a logical way of doing it and also i think that approach is honest about the supply issue you know the idea that there aren't that many guys on the market that are really going to be upgrades for them other than the players who we don't think they are going to get so doing that and also probably holding it to three years would be wise because some of the biggest mistakes that are going to happen in this free agent class are giving fourth years to older free agents kind of like the Taj Gibsons maybe the Paul Millsaps though he provides value in the first couple of years those types of things and so if Miami can kind of prevent themselves from making those mistakes by the structure of their own books I think they're in a good place yeah now if they could get Blake Griffin I certainly would do that if I were them uh and be okay with moving on from waiters and griffin fits into exactly what they need other than the fact that the spacing fit with Whiteside is not great but griffin's used to playing with someone like that already with jordan uh, deandre jordan because they need some additional playmaking especially when Dragic is out of the game they don't really have another natural point guard on the roster that's not really who tyler johnson is they're hoping that josh richardson and johnson can improve their playmaking but they're not there yet at this point and I think, you know, if Griffin could stay healthy, of course, 
always a huge if that that's a team that maybe could get into the same area as like washington or toronto next year you know or or be a, a clear favorite for the five seed at least in the east and, and who knows maybe toronto won't have kyle lowry anymore and they're going to take a big step back too some housekeeping stuff here before we get into maybe who they would look for in the free agent market outside of their own guys josh richardson non-guaranteed at the minimum they'll of course bring him back rodney magruder same thing they'll they'll bring him back he was outstanding last year as a starter i mean people forget that with all the hype on johnson and waiters that magruder and luke babbitt actually started for this team a, a lot of the way uh wayne ellington we mentioned him and then okara white who was uh effective as a small ball power forward as well bringing a lot of energy uh, another great development guy out of uh their sioux falls outfit in the d-league he's not guaranteed as well but the i think all those guys especially the ones who are making the minimum like you're almost certain to bring them back uh we mentioned the player options that waiters and reed are certain to decline uh their draft pick situation the only first rounders that they can trade if they want to try and bring somebody else in into their cap space perhaps or to move off mcroberts and also potentially get a useful piece are 2023 and 2024 due to the stepian rule because you can't trade future picks two years in a row so they're out 2018 so that means you can't trade 2019 they're out 2021 so you can't trade 2020 or 2022 and so then 2023 2024 they could always do swap rights potentially but uh and then uh due to all their luxury tax avoidance with uh, andy ellsberg's excellent work that he did especially last year they have no second rounders at all uh, until 2022 so they're really again uh not a ton of sweeteners to invite someone to take mcroberts if they want to open up a little more space so we can move on to the free agents my general stance with Miami is that they do such a good job finding guys that I think they're better off finding the next, you know, the next Willie Reed rather than paying the current one, though the current one might not want that much money. And which basically means I want every every young guy who's kind of floundered where they were to go to Miami, especially after what happened with waiters. So but the problem is a lot of those guys, you can't rely on them as being a key part of the rotation. So those are more like the lottery tickets on the back end of your roster rather than your maybe seven, eight, nine guys, which is, I think, what they would be looking for if they can't get a max player. Yeah, I think that's right. I think just, and we don't know whether Babbitt is going to return or not either. I mean, right now, just what they have in their roster, not counting the outgoing free agents, I mean, they basically need like threes and fours. I mean, Magruder is kind of a three, but he's pretty thin, ideally. They also need someone who can play make a little bit at, at forward with Tyler Johnson, your backup point guard. Uh, and they des- desperately need a, a backup center as well. Uh, Whiteside, not a guy who plays a ton of minutes, gets in foul trouble quite a bit, gets injured um any kind of like power forward or combo forward they've like essentially none on the roster other than maybe O'Carl white um who i wouldn't necessarily be relying on although he's had a few moments um so i actually a guy i think would be great for them uh would be most spates because mm-hmm. if they uh, spates if they could just get him into better shape uh i think he could be really effective and then it the things that you can do too if you have point guards who aren't that dynamic off the bounce you can either get a better point guard who can drive to the basket more but most backup point guards aren't like that so the other thing you can do is just give them more space to work and that's something that space as a backup center is evolution 
in the last couple of years shooting threes could be useful at him maybe they can get more out of him defensively uh if he can trim up a little bit in Miami on the big man front I'd also be interested to see what they could do if they could kind of rehabilitate the value of Jeff Withy a little bit I think that he could be you know just kind of in the same vein as Willie Reed like well, a I guy think maybe... that would be habilitating because I don't think he's ever gotten more than a minimum contract but well I think there was a point <laughs> between between when he was still under contract where it looked like okay he could be a solid backup center and you know he's a different kind than Spates but I think that could work too yeah I, I definitely don't think like I, I realize that they need a center but like I wouldn't pay more than like three or four million a year at Agreed. most for a backup center because that's just there's so many of those guys out there and I think they're good at, at creating those guys as well uh and you know they're, they're gonna play small I, th- I think uh Jonas Jurebko Ursan Ilyasova would be good for them I think if James Johnson gets too expensive they could look at, at Patrick Patterson Patterson seems like a guy who's always been undervalued around the league also with the reports out of Toronto that they're gonna bring bring back Serge Ibaka you'd have to imagine that either PJ Tucker or Patterson would be the odd man out there who are also free agents so Tucker is also like it seems like a quintessential heat guy although again he's a little bit older um but I mean I, you, you know we talk for a lot of teams about hey what is your timeline they're not going to contend for a championship in the next two or three years but I think of their timeline actually is like, all right, let's just try to be as good as we can with this core for the next two or three years. And then once Whiteside and Dragic come off the books, then you're going to totally rebuild. Um, so I actually, I mean, I wouldn't mind signing some older guys and, you know, maybe they kind of peter out in the third year of their contract, but it's, I'm not as deterred by that for them as I think for a lot of teams, because they're just, I mean, this team was pretty decent last year. Like, why not just try and win some games and be in the mix in the East and, and yeah, you're not going to win a championship or contend but hey uh it's better than just sucking especially in a year when you're not gonna have your pick i was thinking about shape and realized that i would love to see jared sullinger go there for a low value and just see what he can become just on that idea of like using a year to work on yourself because i mean he basically was out of the league i mean he got he got traded in a salary dump and then never send us your back guys (laughs) yeah and he's only 25 (laughs) sullinger's 25 years old like give him give him a shot at like the minimum or something close to that and see if he can be your next Dion waiters i still think the same thing if kj mcdaniels ends up getting cut loose just he's not fat but just like giving another guy to give him a shot because nobody has done a better job with kind of misfit toys than they have but they can also yeah. get better Demo guys. Would i mean be another guy maybe who could work there yeah terrence jones I mean, I mean i think if i'm an agent i mean you know it can go one of two ways you can it could wind up like Derek williams where he just you know, ended up getting released and and they didn't rehabilitate him but what they do with james johnson and, and waiters you got to be saying hey like if i have this client who's like ah you know he's not in the greatest shape like he's a little bit a little bit lazy like we're looking to rehabilitate him over a year like uh all right you know let's send him to miami let's see if miami can kind of uh get him in shape i mean their reputation has got to just be sky high right now with what they've done for the guys out of the d league and for some of these uh distressed veterans is there anybody more on the higher end not the distressed asset that you think is a particularly good fit for them ideally i think on the wing is their most important need uh you know danilo galneri maybe like if they if they could fit in gallo and waiters somehow that'd be I think a fun that actually, team holy crap that'd be a fun team i yeah they, that would definitely hurt their defense gallo is pretty bad defensively especially at the four the, these days um he is a distressed asset but rudy gay might be a guy as well um sean livingston actually would be a really nice fit there because he could play point guard on offense and then also like defend larger guys on defense um next to tyler johnson or, or josh richardson you know i think that he would be a good fit there as as their backup point guard 
give them a little bit of shot creation as well in the post at times. Something else that Miami should do, and I, I don't know this definitively, but I'm guessing they have a good like pro scouting group, is this, if they strike out on the best guys, would be a great year to take players that other teams see as distressed as distressed assets and get things back for them because they're so poor in terms of like second round picks and even first round picks that they could do it. So if they could find somebody who like a team is just frantically looking to cut a little bit of space and they cost like six million, they go, hey, this guy's not as terrible as you guys think he is. Be a good option for that too. Yeah, that's a good thought. Uh, but I, I still think they're probably going to just be playing and using all the all the space that they can. Um, and another option too, I, I understand that Tyler Johnson's contract goes way up next year, but they still could have 26 million in space, uh, which is not, I mean, that 26 million next year may go further than 36 million goes this year or, or 30 million goes this year. So maybe they just, if they really can't get guys on long-term deal that they like they just do the same thing that they did last year essentially with a, a new set of guys i'm not sure who exactly that would be but uh and then try to get back into the market next year or you know if you need to you could maybe move tyler johnson you'd have to pay a pretty good amount there probably but you know johnson's probably a player who's worth 10 million a year even if he'll be making 19 those next two years so he's not like that horrible of a player to like he at least contributes you know um so that could be another option i i think i less enamored of that frankly than just trying trying to get your team for the next two or three years now uh especially because you have more space but uh all right i think that's about all i have got on them we'll get to the boston celtics more on the boston celtics because their offseason is so fascinating and then new orleans momentarily but first, this from our friends at Betterment. Betterment.com slash Capspace can get you up to six months of no fees for lower cost automated investing. The way Betterment works is it's not the type of thing where they're trying to get you to make transactions because they charge a commission on transactions. For their basic level of service, they charge just a flat fee of 0.25% per year for their digital plan that gives you automated portfolio management, tax-efficient investing features, and award-winning customer support. And, and the fees are, are based on your account balance. There's no minimum balance there as well. If you're early on in your career, you want to just get started with investing, start putting something away. You'd be shocked at how much even just putting away 100 bucks a month or, or 500 bucks a month or something like that it can really do for you once it's all said and done. And if you're interested in a higher level of human advice, you can go to their premium tier. That's still only a 0.5% per year. Uh, there is a 100,000 minimum balance on that, but you can get unlimited calls with their team of CFP professionals and licensed financial experts. They also have some cool products like Tax Impact Preview that tells you what your tax impact will be of any moves that you make and Smart Deposit if you're someone with an income that's not as steady you can set it so if you get over a certain amount in your checking account it'll just automatically invest the surplus for you once a week so once again the way to get started with them betterment.com slash cap space betterment investing made better all right, so now I want to get into something we should have talked about with the Celtics that was in the outline we forgot to get to, the idea of renegotiating and extending Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley, because we talked about how if they don't get Blake Griffin, or you would even say if they could get Blake Griffin, but uh, and they don't get Gordon Hayward, and reports have indicated that they're looking at going after an all-star front court player, uh, then they could also use their cap space, which could be as much as $27 million. Maybe in this circumstance, they would just hold on to Kelly Olenek and have about 20 million in space left 
to try to do a renegotiation and extension for Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, or both. And basically what you'd be doing there to refresh a renegotiation and extension is those guys are making way under market salaries for the 2017-18 season. Bradley do about 8.8 million. Thomas had a declining contract. He's all the way down to 6.3 million next season. So the way that would work is essentially you say, hey, we'll renegotiate you up next year. And then you essentially treat that money as part of your new contract and you would then do an extension on top of that at the new number that we're giving you for next year so let's say bradley 8.8 they say hey we'll use 11 million of our cap space avery to bump you up to 20 million for next year and then we'll give you a three-year extension which would be the most that they could do on top of that for an additional 20 million per year so you're essentially getting a three-year and 71 million dollar contract right now with no risk of injury or performance decline or anything like that uh so that's an interesting approach that they could try maybe more palatable although it does take away the idea of potentially getting better next year but you ensure that bradley and thomas maybe are around for longer and you also but not as long maybe as you'd have to give them and on less of a per year number because you're sort of getting credit for what you're bumping them up to this year as well so Dane, my question to you is let's take bradley first i think he actually is the more realistic renegotiation and extension candidate uh being younger he'll be 27 next offseason 2018 um what would be a number you'd be comfortable with for uh renegotiation and extension for him if you're boston i'd be trying to get him so this is the the total value of the contract i'd be trying to get him somewhere around three years starting at 18 million so that would be 54 so that'd be 54 for three years so if you could throw 10 million of that 54 on the first year that the remaining contract looks a lot better i think he'd want a little bit more than that but the security of getting it now as opposed to waiting would be pretty desirable yeah i don't think he would agree to that i think he's gonna want over 20 million per season uh and the timing will be very interesting right because you and i have both theorized that 2016 was a bubble year despite the fact that the cap's going up another 7 million about half as many teams will have potential max cap space this year as had it last year and so that if you're an agent and you're a player right now comparing to what guys got last year avery bradley he should be getting like you know 25 million a year <laughs> you know like uh as a an excellent defensive player good three-point shooter uh excellent cutter as well can come off some screens in the mid-range like not a, a great offensive player but someone who could you know average in the, the mid-teens for you and play great defense those type of two-way players are very valuable so if that's what he's gonna want that doesn't really make sense to me for boston and even if you could say you know maybe if you could bump them up to 20 this year and then do another so that would be three for 71 maybe he would essentially you know it's 11 million this year and then three years 60 million on the end of that that's too much for you you're saying if you're boston because i think that's can, the lowest can, you could start he would consider i'd consider it but just considering the wealth of options that they have like i'd be because the other interesting part of this is theoretically that would not preclude them from making a trade it would preclude them from signing somebody but they would do this after it but they could still acquire if they wanted to jimmy butler or somebody like that because those players would be acquired using trade rules yeah and there would be after bradley or potentially thomas who we'll talk about in a second were to sign this they'd be prohibited from trading him uh for six months uh, so do under the extend and trade rules uh so you remember russell westbrook last year signed one of these in in august and then he couldn't be traded until february and of course no one was talking about doing that at the time so it, 
with Bradley, it would the timing issue will be interesting, right? Because think the only time you're doing this if you're Boston is okay, we've struck out on Gordon Hayward, we've struck out on on Blake Griffin. That's also going to be an issue for them because you met these bigger free agents, those guys usually take longer to make their decision. You know, all right, we gotta do all these meetings, and you know, it's it's July 4th, it's July 5th before those guys have made their decision. Well, remember when Kevin Durant made his decision last July on July 4th, basically everyone else was off the market already by that point. Dwayne Wade, I think, was the only major guy who was still on. So if they're gonna try and play in the Hayward uh, Blake Griffin camp, and they, they you know they'd still have a Linux, uh some other restricted free agents maybe would be available but most of the unrestricted guys will probably sign if you're taj gibson or pj tucker or some of these other guys we talked about as maybe a potential target for them those guys will probably be gone and now you're probably left with going back to bradley or thomas at that point as maybe one of the most efficient uses of your cap space and the timing there will be interesting too because maybe at that point people will see what the market is and that the market is reset a little bit and that there'll be even more fear that the market is going to be tight in 2018 and we'll see that a lot you know you'll have a better idea too for who might actually have cap space in the summer of 2018 if you're thomas or you're bradley of like okay these teams are gonna have cap space if i can't uh resign in boston i have to go to this to this place you know i gotta go to uh orlando or something uh i don't want to do that if i'm isaiah thomas so maybe now renegotiating extension looks more interesting and you also the market is reset a little bit so now like the players and agents might be a little more realistic about what they might get so the timing issue of all this is gonna be very interesting i've talked at length about how i would be uncomfortable giving isaiah his next contract but that completely changes if all you can do is add three seasons because if you're you're getting out of some of the worst part of that contract so i mean if you're isaiah and you want to maximize your your lifetime contract value i don't think it's necessarily the best call but if he's willing to do it and you have that space to burn then you're starting to look at the timeline that i think makes sense for the boston celtics well it's interesting with if we turn to thomas now instead of bradley thomas only has six years of experience right now and so that actually if they wanted to bump him up they would be using most of their cap space to do it right i mean it's hard to imagine he would do a renegotiation extension for anything less than the max and thomas actually you know, perhaps to his credit said in an interview his exit interview that I'm fine with waiting to get paid if we can use that free agent space to improve. Now, if using that free agent space to improve means, you know, we're getting guys that aren't really going to help that much, then it's maybe a little bit different of a calculation. Uh, but if he's at 6.2, his max would be projected at 25.2 for next season. So if they bumped him up to that or close to it, and then they're willing to put on an extra three years on the end of that, building off of that. So you're probably getting essentially three years and about a hundred million or so in new money if you're thomas counting what he would get for this year i think you have to think very seriously about taking that if they made that offer uh and is that too much you think for boston i don't know that it is because you keep him around yeah it's only three years it's a lot of money but it's only three years i mean he probably won't be worth that contract by the last two but he at least could be a valuable player maybe he's coming off the bench by that point behind marco marco Fultz. you keep together that can kind of be your bridge because again as i've said i don't think there's a huge opportunity cost in these next two or three years to their cap space um so you might be better off just keeping thomas there but i don't know what do you think is that too much for him i'm guessing you're you're more conservative on these things than i am sometimes i'm guessing you're gonna say it is gonna be too much it's a little more than i'm comfortable with but i could totally see the logic behind it and i would consider doing it because the year that i'm focused on more for them we talked about this when we did the other one was 2019 and by 2019 that contract will be expensive but it won't be 
horrendous. And you might even find a team just because the cap will have stabilized at that point where you're probably not going to clear his salary, but maybe you can just do something where you get other pieces that make more sense if if you really need to. And Isaiah Thomas has value, even if he's not at his best. He plays a very important position in a very important role. And as you said, if he's a six man, yeah, he's, he's going to be overpaid. You're going to have the kind of the equivalent of dead money or negative, negative value. But it's not like Myers Leonard or something like that, where it's very little value. He's still being helpful. So I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. I would love to get it a little bit less, but if you could, if that's really all that you have to work with, I'm pretty cool with it. Yeah. The other thing to remember too, is if they're going to try and re-sign him as a free agent next year, then he will have seven years of experience. So his max goes up to 30 million instead. And he can get five years from that point, you know, so it's, you're, it's making a meaningful, a meaningful difference in terms of the risk that you're taking and the duration. Yeah. And for Thomas, you know, he's had what would be the best year of his career. He's going to be, he's 28 right now. So for him, I mean, he's made probably 30 million in his career, maybe even less than that, I think. Uh, so this would be like total life-changing money that you're locking in right now over a hundred million probably uh or maybe you know they could figure out a way to make it declining or something save them a a little bit of money but i think that general structure could make a lot of sense if they strike out initially and yeah you know i thought i would that right away i would think that bradley i mean the the beauty of doing it with bradley is you know it's probably only going to cost you 11 million dollars this year and then you could maybe bring in some other guys you wouldn't have to necessarily give up on kelly olinick cap hold you'd be pretty tight with the linux cap hold if you're going to do give thomas uh, what amounts to a 19 million dollar bump uh linux cap holds around 7 million so and they'd have 27 million as we say and this also enables them to keep marcus smart as well if they want to um or and maybe you know trade him later in the year keep him as a trade piece to a team that might want to re-sign him in restricted free agency so i i actually like the idea for either of them i there's no way that they could probably do both of them um but that that would be an interesting negotiation and probably to me once you've gotten to the point where you're not getting hayward or griffin i don't think there's anyone else out there especially if all the free agents are gone by that point who's going to put you over the top against cleveland not to mention golden state or whoever comes out of the west next year so i'm thinking probably renegotiation and extension if it's not just an absolutely exorbitant price which you know and thomas they'd be paying him the max that never underestimate that either of just the concept of we are giving you the most that we can right now how like that plays into the respect factor for a player um so yeah i I think that would be a good way for them to pursue rather than just all right let's sign like you know some free agent on the market or something like that who's just not going to help us anyway so the number for isaiah is pretty amazing to this point in his career so this does not include next season what they've committed to he's made a little under 23 million and so they could actually pay they could pay him as much next season as he has made in his entire career yeah and they also just it helps to have a reputation of taking care of your guys and stuff like that too and and thomas might even be tradable on that contract as well you know whereas maybe more tradable than you know if he has another good year next year but they're still not really close he might be more tradable on that contract than he would be you know just trying to trade him on this one year left at six million um all right let's get to the new orleans pelicans now slightly less interesting unfortunately than the boston celtics the thing that stuck out to me the most about them is this is now five years in a row that they will have traded away their first round draft pick uh healed basically counts as that too because he was only on the team for like four months before they traded him and yeah that's why they don't have a, a ton of depth 
And the second thing that stuck out to me is, holy cow, does Drew Holiday have them over a barrel right now? Oh, man, it's unbelievable. Because if he leaves, they just don't have the money to replace him. It's about $13 million, I believe, if he leaves. And that's not much. That's not enough to get anything, really, in, in the point guard market. No, I mean, then you're looking at, like, trying to get, like, Darren Collison to come back or, you know, Derek Rose or or maybe Patty Mills would be, you know, then you're talking about Brandon Jennings, Ty Lawson. I mean, just nobody on the quality of Drew Holiday. Um, so that's certainly a concern. Before we get into the mechanics of that a little bit more, though, I want to talk a little bit about where they are just in the success cycle because they still have Anthony Davis. He's under contract for three more years. But because they've basically been treating it ever since AD's first year that, oh my God, we got to win right now. I mean, they've been they've been acting like a team that was like on the cusp of a championship for the last four years. And now they're basically at the point with none of those first round picks, all this long-term money that's kind of dead still. Uh, but now once, I mean, once again, now they have to act like they're going for it because number one Dell Demps always under fire you know he's basically been like been like since 2011 before even the Benson regime took over that Demps has seemingly been like GMing for his job every year and then also there's the fact that DeMarcus Cousins could leave in, in free agency after this season and since the designated veteran option is not there for him it's functionally impossible to get him to sign an extension they just kind of have he, he's kind of a throwback to the old school system where you just kind of have to grin and bear it and see what happens and New Orleans Orleans, I think the most important place and where I want to start with them is a more basic question, which is even if they bring all of these guys back, if they get their realistic best case scenario, so Drew Holiday returns, they, you know, they manage things right. I'm going to assume they don't dump salary, but we'll go through that. How good are they? Yeah, that's another really interesting question, right? And I guess, but it kind of doesn't really matter because they just, they have to, they have to just, they do have upside. I will say that about them. I mean, let's say if they could defend the way they did for most of last year and actually when ad and cousins were on the court they weren't bad last year uh if they can defend the way they did for last year and then holiday returns cousins you just try to find like some modicum of shooting this could maybe i could see this team getting to like 50 wins like that wouldn't be you know being like a five seed four seed if everything breaks right it never seems to for them <laughs> sort of from a health standpoint and everything else for that matter but i think they do have some upside to be pretty good sure and they also have proven that they can do well with the with Davis at center so depending on how they want to run a stagger they can go to some different wrinkles on this team that could also be effective I don't think that's going to be like a primary lineup or like what they close with but to, well they did a couple times during late in the season but they also are in a situation where I don't think we're going to see many wings that need that basically kind of miss out on the market but anyone who wants a one-year make good contract there might not be a better circumstance than joining the Pelicans. Yeah, that's a good point because they'll probably play you. And, and here, of course, uh, well, let's talk about Drew first, actually. Um, with his cap hold on the books, they do not really have any appreciable space. Uh, they would be at about $5 million over the cap with Drew's $16 million cap hold. So they couldn't really add anything other than their full Emily. Now, let's say you re-sign Drew Holiday for $25 million a year. You'd probably... That might even be optimistic, but you know, let's say that that's what happens. Five years, $125 million contract. And I think from what I understand, they're going to have to come with the money. They're not getting any kind of a discount on holiday. I don't know that he's feeling like, oh man, I really want to stay 
in New Orleans unless they bowl him over from a monetary standpoint. So now they've paid him $25 million in the first year. You now are $13 million over the cap and you're only $6.7 million short of the tax. I'm not seeing Tom Benson greenlighting a tax payment here. So basically, if you bring back Drew, you're pretty hard-pressed to use even your full mid-level exception to add talent to the team unless they can get that number down for Drew or if they could move salary Alexis Ajinsa and Omer Ashik basically since the moment they signed those contracts in the summer of 2015 uh, being the most likely for that. Quincy Pondexter, maybe they could just stretch him as well or trade him away. He's due three point eight million so they do have some options but of course that would require giving up future assets again which you know they have no no qualms about doing uh yeah but but i mean that's a concern for them if they're trying to get better because they still desperately need some mild approximation of a three and d guy solomon hill was signed to be the starting three i thought it was actually an okay signing that's not looking like it's right but at least now you know if you want to just play him as the backup four next to cousins and ad i think he could be more effective in that role he's not a three he's just not not a good enough offensive player to play the three but they don't have anyone else who can do that either on this team as it stands right now they got to get someone like that it's also worthwhile to look at the broader scope idea and we talked about the best case scenario in terms of drew holiday coming back if you give him 25 million a year then you're brushing pretty close to the tax line for the following year as well if, if they retain demarcus cousins so spending oh, you know yeah, in the mid- they would probably go over it you would think i mean but although at that point you know stretching ashik or or yeah. a, a you can, you can cut here but because of the structure of Ashik's contract, it's actually pretty interesting because since he's only partially guaranteed for the next year, if they wanted to use the stretch provision, they could actually cut his salary at that point from 11.3 million to about 2.9. So that's a lot, but you're still having to pay the guy and then he's on your books for five years. So I mean, you have all no, that. No. Se- it would be seven years. Well, no, because... I'm saying if they did it next year. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you year. want, if, if they wanted to stretch him now, uh, he would be, he's due 23 million over the next three years. So it's basically, a little over three million a year for the next seven years which would be that's a long time but you know it's not like they've had a problem with mortgaging the future before if you're going to trade ashik with 23 million left maybe if you give up a first round pick you might be able to get off of him you know if we're talking we'll see what the market bears at this point but we've mentioned before that it seems like 20 million dollars in dead money and man is he uh dead money uh $20 $20 million in dead money, basically, per first-round pick. And New Orleans is a bad enough organization that maybe, like, you, there's, that pick's got some more upside than some of these ones that have been traded would. Also, a, a thing that makes Ashik special in this class, because I've looked at salary dumps a little bit already, is that he only has two real more years on the books because then it's only $3 million for that year. So for a team like Brooklyn, that's the exact timeline they're looking at. They would rather not pay a guy for three years because that third year gets to be kind of a pain. But for two years, it's, it's pretty well in line. So if they were willing to give up that first round pick i think brooklyn would be wise to do it yeah and Ajinsa, he has two years left at basically five million a year so about 10 million he's like a little closer to useful but still massively overpaid him he's basically like a replacement level i think backup center at this point you know a guy who might be on like a two million dollar a year contract if you squint hard another scenario let's say drew holiday leaves i could see actually that they might be more likely to either move ashik or stretch him if holiday leaves 
leaves because if you move Ashik, if Holiday leaves, they got about 13 million, but then you move Ashik and now you've got over 20 million and maybe you can get another point guard. But again, there's that timing issue too, right? Like, I mean, maybe Drew Holiday is nice enough to, if they, because you could say, hey, we're going to make our best offer to him. If he's going to turn it down on the first day of free agency and take all these meetings and stuff, seems pretty clear he's not going to come back when we, if us throwing as much cash as we possibly can is not going to do it. So now we can just start making a, making other offers immediately. So hopefully the timing issue won't be as much of a problem as it might be for a team like Boston, where you're really waiting for a decision. Like they, they'll have a pretty damn good idea when they, but you better come with your best offer right away with your New Orleans. Uh, if you go with this, well, okay, we'll make this offer and then and you know go out and see what else is out there and now if we have to we'll, we'll offer more or something like that better not be your approach because you're probably going to lose them in that case so what would your offer to drew holiday be i posited five for 25 as five years 25 million so uh, 125 million dollar contract for drew at age 27 is that sound about right to you uh you think that would beat any but any other offers i think that would beat other offers in terms of total value but also just kind of expected i would much rather have him on that same deal for four years but again that might not be enough because teams are going to offer him money point guard position is loaded in this class but there aren't a lot of those guys who are going to really change teams i mean maybe george hill does but lowry it looks like he's going to come back chris paul and and steph curry look like they're going to come back or even so they're not available to the teams that would really be offering drew and all that so i think the knicks are going to come calling i think if the magic if the magic would have to clear a bunch of money but he would make some sense there you know those sorts of things and philly Philly, Philly certainly yeah and Dallas has been a reported suitor although their their cap situation is a little more impacted they got Nerlens Noel if he's going to be on there and then Dirk is due as a team option for 25 million they'll probably decline that maybe if Dirk were willing to go back to playing for a lot less but even so like he would have to sign that contract first to reduce his cap hold and then you're still even if Dirk took the minimum you're still only looking at really 20 million in space unless they're able to move Harrison Barnes or Wes Matthews who I wouldn't think they would want to do that because those guys are an important part of their team uh so uh, dwight powell uh, if they could move on from him that that's not looking like a good contract maybe that's uh, jose barea uh you know maybe they could open up a little more space but they don't have an overwhelming offer just sitting around there for drew holiday at this point um yeah phil you mentioned they got cap space for days um although they'll probably want to save a little of it to renegotiate and extend Robert Covington. We'll get to that. I mean, if you were Drew Holiday, like, would you rather play in any of those other places other than New Orleans? I consider the Knicks. I think that it's, first of all, he could get a, a very, very good insight from his brother in terms of what that experience was like, both the positive and the negative. And I don't think this is going to happen because we know how Wade's going to go. But if Chicago had space, that would be a nice fit. But I don't know that they will. Yeah, I mean, they could dump Rajon Rondo, but then again, they have to decide on whether to do that by uh, June 30th. He's got three million guaranteed this year. Uh, as we talked about in our, our preview for them and the indications from uh, Garpax have been that Rondo will return and then they're probably not gonna have the space I, I mean I probably and I don't think that like Chicago even if Drew signs there would be that much better than New Orleans so yeah maybe uh, maybe five for 75 gets it done unless Philly is just gonna or uh, sorry five for 75 five five for 125 would get it done the absolute most that they could pay him he's got eight years of experience uh would be a five-year 175 million dollar deal uh I mean you 
you would imagine that that could get him back but then they're they're pretty close to the tax line already just with that you know they're basically almost out of room unless they move some more salary as well and clearly drew not worth 30 million even this year at 27 and sure as hell won't be when he's 31 in the last year of that contract what are you thinking kind of i I know a lot of it depends on drew but what are you thinking in terms of a guy like dante cunningham or just kind of the wings that they could bring in if they really wanted to yeah well cunningham's another one of these guys they've had i mean they've played him at the three out of necessity but he's really a four he's also 30 years old 5.7 million dollar cap hold for cunningham again that probably won't matter because they'll be over the cap you know i think something along those lines for like two years might be realistic for him uh but the i don't think he helps them that much because they basically already have solomon hill who i think can play that role a little bit better certainly defensively than cunningham at this point as you know a stretch ish for who can defend on the perimeter and switch I mean, he's a nice depth piece to have around, but I think he's probably more valuable to other teams. So I don't know that if I were New Orleans, I'd be making a great effort to re-sign him as opposed to, because especially with the tax, you know, there's a pretty direct opportunity cost there as opposed to just trying to use your full MLA. I think they could do a little bit better other than re-signing him just because just getting anybody who can play as more of a pure wing, I think should be a greater priority. A little housekeeping too, Uh, before we talk about who they might really try and pursue in, in free agency. They don't really have much in the way of non-guarantees that you recall that Jordan Crawford actually played quite well for them last season he's under contract this year for 1.7 million non-guaranteed the guarantee date's not until August 1st uh Axel Tupin who I think they should keep around is guarantee date of January 10th the league-wide cutdown date for the minimum this year I think that he actually has some modicum of 3 and D potential they still have each one more as well he'll probably more would probably start at the two so they really just need you know they've got a decent backup point guard Tim Frazier so if they bring back Holiday I mean I think that they've got okay depth on this team it's just they gotta get someone who can credibly start at the three they've got no one there at all uh unless Quincy Pondexter can make a miracle return and he's missed two full seasons so i'm sure as hell not counting on that uh and, and they also have quinn cook who's not guaranteed as well at, at the minimum um and uh you know he, i don't really have that much of an opinion on, on him so who would you be looking at as someone that they should try to acquire in free agency it's going to be a challenging market considering how much money they want to spend but i would be intrigued by somebody like cj miles i think he could be a good fit kind of a low usage but can hit open shots that type of guy maybe tabo cephalosha anthony morrow for for basically for really cheap those types of guys i think would. they definitely need i mean i think there's kind of two needs i mean there's one is just an actual three and d guy and even if they can clear out enough space under the tax by moving salary to get use their full mid-level exception of 8.4 million dollars uh to start this year and, and of course you can pay up to uh four years starting at uh 8.4 million with five percent annual raises so they need like someone who can defend on the wing and also make a shot i don't know if they can even find that guy there's not that many of those guys in the market and only paying 8.4 million i don't know if you're getting that and then they also just need like guys who are just like pure shooters as well but i think those are a little bit more cheaply and easily found uh um, because they just have no one i mean i mean i guess what you could say is but then you know you're still playing solomon hill at the three right like i mean in some of your lineups you could say all right you know if we sign a cj miles he can just guard whatever crappy four man is on the other team and like solomon hill can be our main wing defender he's still even i think a little challenged in that role but he could be solid there and we'll just do a lot of switching and hope to contain that way um but then when you're playing ad and demarcus together which are going to be down the end of games now you can't really play solomon hill at the three that's not enough shooting 
so you need someone else who can defend and still hit a shot and you know again the, there's just not really those type of guys who, who are available at this point uh, a few that i thought of you know just as kind of bargain basement shopping you mentioned tabo lukamba mute maybe as well but you got the same problem that he's just too bad offensively uh pj tucker again kind of more of a four offensively same problem with him as solomon hill basically already have that same player um nick young actually i think could be like an okay fit uh as just someone who can create some shots i mean but expecting him to repeat what he did last year and i think his defense was well it was lauded by luke walton and he actually tried for the first time in a long time i wouldn't expect him to repeat that and it was probably overrated what he was doing last year and he's 32 so but again your beggars can't be choosers uh I think on the shooting role, Ian Clark could be a fit next to Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday could guard the two. Clark could could shoot some threes for him. Uh, Kyle Korver, Mike Dunleavy might be some guys that they could look at. I mean, I think having some more guys with just intelligence on the perimeter, like Dunleavy as a ball mover, you know, just he only going to play 15 minutes a game for you at this point. Korver probably only played 20, but... Uh, you know the, those that's the type and you mentioned cj mousman that's the strata that what about we're looking brandon at rush right now. yeah no i think i mean that's another one uh that we're probably higher on than just about anyone else but uh that's yeah i mean he's you're uh, i mean there's probably a reason he hasn't played as much but you know I, I think he's been an underrated player but you know at 31 again he's not that amazing they could also try out the restricted market maybe look for like and because they also just need another scorer as well someone a printer score i mean i guess they got jordan crawford kind of to do that uh, but i don't know if you can expect him to repeat his performance from last year but maybe shabazz muhammad might be someone they'd look at if the timberwolves decide to move on from him uh tony snell would be an awesome fit but i don't think they have the money for him maybe what they could look at for him uh and again he's probably not strong enough really to play the three that much but you know again beggars can't be choosers would be like a sign and trade with the bucks for tony snell uh that might be something they could think about if the bucks like hey we just don't want to pay him this much new orleans could pay him um you know and then new orleans would try and give an asset i'm not sure what that'd be future first round pick seems like a little bit too much there um they could also just try and make another trade for like a wilson chandler type give up yet another first round pick in in 2018 you know i mean the the dell dumps i mean the the pelicans at this point remind me of like and if they stretch ashik or a it'll be even more like this of like those old cowboys and redskins football teams that just like kept giving like restructuring contracts and like giving big bonuses that then you know kept getting kicked down the road and then finally they would have to pay the piper at a certain season um but the crazy thing is like they have this great young superstar where like their best days are supposed to be ahead of them and they're just not and it's also hard like with the wing market that there i think you talked about how beggars can't be choosers that could be even more prominent just in terms of actual supply because a lot of these guys are going to be aiming higher than what the pelicans can offer and so maybe some of them will fall back into their market but that's also going to take time and it's also going to make it so that they probably won't get their best option they'll be choosing between some some less good ones yeah i mean traditionally new orleans to get free agents has had to overpay and they don't even have the money to, to overpay anymore um anyone else on the wing i mean tim hardaway Jr junior maybe they could look at him as well depending on what atlanta does with him although again you know full mle probably not going to get it done to lure him away uh, none of these restrictions maybe boyan bogdanovich would be someone they could look at uh just to give him some more shooting but he's horrible defensively as well they don't really have the money for andre robertson and he's not good enough offensively you know it's uh gerald green yeah i mean he's he's pretty duplicative of jordan crawford at this point i think so I, yeah um well and this also is a reason why i think that they're looking at their situation more closely 
early here in Omri Caspi would have had like a six million dollar cap hold that aspect of it is less valuable because they have basically a hard cap at the tax I'm guessing and so maybe their thought was his bird rights aren't that valuable number one because we need to get better this year I think I'm, from what I understand that was just their thinking that just we need another body and he might be out for the year even though he wasn't but but then you know just keeping his six million dollar cap hold on the books he's not like a great three and d guy but frankly he's probably the best of all these people that we've discussed so far he's probably actually the best combination of offense and defense of any of them um maybe cj miles but again both all of these guys we're talking about are very limited in general on one side of the floor um but maybe the thought was, if we're going to keep him wrong, we basically, it's like straight up opportunity cost. The idea of having his bird rights and re-signing him isn't as useful because we got this hard hard cap essentially at the tax. I mean, I still would have kept him around because, you know, I don't know that they're going to get a better player than him, frankly. Um so yeah, it, it, it's pretty tough. And in the, the other thing I'll say too about just their long-term future is, I mean, again, how do they get better? You know, the Cousins trade was a good trade. I, I would have done that for sure. But, and maybe if they make the playoffs this year and they have a pretty good showing, AD and Cousins together, those guys just play a billion minutes and they overwhelm some team in the first round. Like, that's not impossible. They would have to retain Drew, obviously. You know, maybe they'd be okay, but it's just, they've got three years left of AD before free agency. And they better hope that this team as constructed is damn good because they really have no way to get better again unless it's just trading a first round pick because whatever if you have a 2018 first round pick that's in the middle of the first round expecting that player to contribute by the time ad can be a free agent it would only have two seasons is pretty unlikely so they're basically the only ways that they can get better at this point to try and keep ad other than just paying him the designated player which of course is, is might be enough to keep him anyway is just by trading away draft picks and you know bargain basement signings that they have to hope work out or like chick diallo develops like chick diallo is like their only young guy of any note on this team right now the other thing I think we we don't need to discuss it, but I want to discuss it is: Do you have an idea of what kind of offer it would take to get to trade Cousins this summer? And then how would you be thinking about that over the course of this year? Well, there's no no offer they would make to uh, trade away Cousins now. I mean, there's no player they're going to get for Cousins that's going to, in theory, I mean, they might actually get players who would help them win more this year than Cousins. We just still don't know how well that partnership's going to work, whether they can get Cousins to defend. But they certainly there's no player they could get who gives them the up side that cousins does this year if he's really in shape and motivated and that partnership works it works really well so i would be shocked if they were to make that trade and and certainly i don't think there's anybody who's like champing at the bit to give them an offer that's going to make them make that trade especially remember because you know dumps has is perpetually under fire i could see him get moved at the trade deadline if they're just totally out of it and cousins is indicated he probably doesn't really want to stay there or there's no reason to think that he would say that. they can still offer him the biggest deal they'd be able to offer him five years starting at over 30 million dollars a season which might be enough to interest cousins to stay they'll have about a 30 million 35 million dollar advantage or so on any other team in an extra year which could matter to cousins at age only 27 amazingly next summer uh demarcus cousins was uh very young when he was drafted obviously but i mean you would you would have to imagine that if they do trade him away the market's kind of been set for him so it would probably be just you know a team trading for him and if a team trades for him presumably at that point it's a team that maybe 
you would want is bird rights and could work out a deal with him ahead of time or a team that's going to be in contention and it's just as a rental but it's hard to imagine that he would even get like a solid starter in trade at the 2018 trade deadline or more than just you know kind of i mean like the Serge Ibaka trade would probably be like a pretty decent proxy for what he they could maybe expect to get for him at that point the only way that i would really seriously consider beyond a team making just this stupid offer which is always possible is if he basically said i'm not coming back and i don't think that's going to happen but at that point you just have to recoup your cost and by the way they'll have no space in 2018 in case you were wondering about that uh things things getting better i mean unless again they were to move on from ashik and maybe i still don't but i don't see like the player that if they do move on from ashik that's going to make that much of a difference who's going to come there you know i mean it really the type of player that they need is at least a 20 million dollar a year player and they don't even necessarily have any of those on the market this year you know like they need like an andre iguodala or something like that and even iguodala uh could be slowing down and not be that useful anymore uh all right that'll do it for this segment on the pels and for today's show thanks so much for listening don't forget about our sponsor today betterment.com slash cap space is your url to get up to six months of no fees and we'll be back gonna take monday off actually for memorial day we'll be back on tuesday big episode coming up then lonzo ball gonna do his scouting report and also dan feldman gonna join us for a look at the detroit pistons future talk to you all then